So this is the story of how I lost a $125,000 sale. $125,000. It was 2007 and I was a salesperson for a digital agency in Chicago called Jellyvision. Like most enterprise deals, working with Adobe was an exercise in patience. After seven months, my champion said that his boss wanted to chat before signing the contract. It was a mere formality or so I thought. Here's how the conversation went down. So the boss man said, what's your hourly rate? And I said this, why do you want to know that? And the boss man said, of course I want to know your hourly rate. Do you think I was born yesterday? For context, our agency didn't bill by the hour because it devalued our expertise and encouraged mistrust with the client because the financial incentives of the two parties were misaligned. Unfortunately, Mr. Boss didn't seem to understand that. A few minutes later, he abruptly ended the call and the deal fell through. So what happened? When I said, why do you want to know that? It triggered defensiveness because it sounded like he was being lectured by his parents. Why didn't you clean your room? Why didn't you do your homework? When I said, why are you asking that question? The subtext there was, why are you asking such a stupid question? The egos don't like that very much. So if I had a do-over, here's what I would have said instead. So Mr. Boss says, what's your hourly rate? And I would have said in a very calm way, you want to ensure that you're not being gouged for production. Or I might have said, you want to see where your money's going. You want to compare our rates to your agency of record. You see what I'm doing here? I'm validating the other person's ask. I'm joining them. I'm understanding them. I'm listening to them. Chris Voss calls this labeling. And what you're doing is you're describing the underlying emotion that the other person is probably feeling. And when people feel heard and understood, you lower defensiveness. When you make people feel heard and understood, what you typically hear is the other person saying, that's right. And then since he's felt heard and understood, I could have said something like this. You're probably going to be offended, but we don't have an hourly rate. And then I would have just shut my mouth and maybe the boss would have said, well, how do you price your work then? Then I would have said something like this. We give you a fixed price for the entire project. That way you'll know exactly how much it will cost before you make a purchasing decision. Is that something you'd be open to or not really? If yes, then I won the deal. If no, and he said, well, we need your hourly rate, I simply would have said no in a polite way, um, maybe saying something like this. Um, how can I give you an hourly rate when we don't have hourly rates? And then maybe he pushes back even further. I don't know. I need your hourly rate. I could have said no again. Um, I'm afraid we can't do that. And then maybe he pushes back again. Hey, we need your hourly rate. Can you just break it down by the type of work you do? And then I would have said no again. I'm sorry, that just doesn't work for us. I learned this technique from Chris Voss on how to say no three times with levels of assertiveness, starting with low assertiveness, going to being rather assertive. Detaching from the outcome is a superpower. Your agency or your product or your service is for some people, but it's not for everyone. The lesson here, of course, is to treat why like a porcupine. Don't touch it. If you thought this was useful, consider subscribing to my newsletter, joshbraun.com newsletter.